If you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Mark 11. Anybody that knows anything about our ministry knows that that's our foundation scriptures is Mark 11. And I want to read from, I want to read uh, verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. But believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. That's from the NIV. Now, let's go back and and get the complete picture of this. Actually, if you go back and start reading in the first uh, part of that 11th chapter, it says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples and they went and found him a colt and he... Then he made his entry into Jerusalem, and uh, then it, you know, and he said, uh, uh, "Jesus entered Jerusalem, went to the temple." In verse eleven, he looked around everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, if you've done any study, you'll find out that is from all the records that we can that we can come up with is that Jesus never spent the night inside the city of Jerusalem. He always went out to Bethpage, which was where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. And that's where he would go, and that's where he would spend the night. And uh, actually, Jerusalem's here. You go up across the edge of, well, you go out the eastern gate, down through the valley of Kidron, up up off of the, the edge of the Mount of Olives, across through Bethpage, which is the place of the fig, and then down to Bethany. It's probably, oh, three, four, five miles, something like that at, at that time. And uh, so uh, that's where they were. Now, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, going back into Jerusalem, that's when he saw the fig tree and he cursed the fig tree and said, nobody eat fruit hereafter. So they went on into the city. He went in the temple. And if you read there, he, he got upset at those people because of what they were doing in the temple. And he kicked over their benches and so forth and so on. And then it says in verse 19, when the evening had come, they went out of the city. They went back to Bethany. Now, verse 20 says, in the morning when they went... As they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter said, remember, uh, remembering and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. That's when Jesus said, have faith in God. The literal translation is have the God kind of faith. He went on in verse 22 to describe the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith It says, I I tell you the truth, anybody says, says to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will will happen, they will be done for him. Now, he, he, there, he is talking about saying. Now, verse 24, he talks about your praying, but in verse 22, he is talking about saying. And I want you to notice, if you go back and see, he didn't pray about the fig tree, he said to it. He said it. And and I want I want that's what we're gonna do. I'm going to to tonight talk about speak to your mountain. Now here Strong says that this mountain here he is figuratively referring to uh, things that confront us, such as problems, difficulties, hardships, impossibilities. Now, he was looking at a regular mountain. He was looking at the Mount of Olives, at the sea that he was talking about. As he was standing there, he could see way out in the distance, glistening in the sun, was the salt sea or the dead sea, as you would call it. And that's the mountain and the sea he was looking at. Now, I don't think that many of us need to move any physical mountains. But how many of you have some other kind of mountain? Difficulties, hardships, impossibilities, death, sickness, heal, uh, disease, all kinds. How many of you face some of those kind of mountains? We all have. I mean, if, if you haven't faced one yet, it's not a matter of if you will. It's a matter of when. Hello. You know, as you think about mountains, you know, uh, they're, they're inevitable. 
mountains are, are big. And if you, from where we live, and I lived and grew up in Texas, now I live in Oklahoma. If you start driving west, you're going to run into the Rocky Mountains. And I don't care how far south you go all the way down in Mexico or how far north you go all the way up into Canada. They call the Canadian Rockies up there. They go all the way down. You're not going around them. You're not going under them. You, you, you can fly over them. But if you're driving, you're going to have to deal with the mountains. Every one of us in our lives, we have to deal with the mountains that the enemy throws in our lives. Now, many times people will tell us and, and the enemy will tell you, well, you're just going to have to learn to live with this. No, you don't. Now, can you imagine? Now, now put your put your imaginer on right now. Is that a good word? I don't know whether it is not. I didn't have my my English was not my best subject. You can tell that by the way I speak. I am a college grad, but <laughs> English and math uh, they weren't my idea. History and science. Now that's where I shine. But can you imagine? How many in this room are old enough? They remember when we didn't have a television, we had a radio. And we would get around a radio just like you do the television because the same programs would come on at the same time, every time. And, and you gather around the radio. And, you know, whether you're listening to Gangbusters or, or Lux Radio Theater or, or Johnny Dollar, Insurance Investigator. Anybody ever listen to Johnny Dollar, Insurance Investigator? <laughs> I think I saw a man. I used to like that was a 15 minute program. It came on every every five days a week for 15 minutes, like at about 6:30, I think, came on after the news. But uh, you know, and then my favorite, my favorite. I now the rest of my sister and my mom and my my cousin sister that came to live with us when she's 16. Uh, they didn't care much for that because dad, he was gone all the time out preaching somewhere even from the time I was in my third grade year. And, uh, so I'd have to get my little radio and I'd go back in the kitchen and I listened to Friday nights from Friday nights at the fight from Madison Square, the fights at Madison Square Garden with Don Dunphy sponsored by Gillette, uh, uh, razor blade company. Anybody, anybody listen to, to those besides me? Oh, I got some people got their hands up back there. Yeah. That was, my, that was my favorite right there, you know. And, but if you was listening to one of these programs and you heard tires squealing or a gun firing or whatever, you had to imagine it. It wasn't in front of you. You couldn't see it. You had to imagine it. Now, let's imagine. All right, everybody ready? Let's imagine that you're in St. Louis and you're getting ready to go to the, come to the West Coast. Now, I know they picture all of those wagon trains with, uh, with horses, but if you go study your history, you'll find out that most of those wagon trains were pulled by mules and sometimes oxen because the horses, they didn't do too well. But they, most of them were pulled with mules, really. But anyway, they left out. You know, anybody ever been to St. Louis? You seen that arch? That They built that because that, that's the gateway to the West. That's where they started from. Now, they went out across that flat land, all out across there, you know, across the flatlands of, uh, of Oklahoma and, and Texas and New Mexico and all of there, you know, in the flatland. And, and they finally got to the Rocky Mountains. They could see them way off in the distance. And they finally got there. And people said, man, I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to deal with these mountains. And some people, and, and you, this is historical facts. Some people, they turned around and went back. They didn't never deal with it. And the eastern side of the Rocky Mountains got settled by the people that refused to go over the mountains. But there were some people that said, these mountains are not going to conquer us. And they rose up and they conquered the mountain. Now, mountains are going to rise in your life. The enemy is going to try to destroy you because that's what it, the, the, the word of God says. Jesus said, I've come. That you might have life. And not just life, but more abundantly. But he has come 
the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to throw everything he can at you. Now, you're going to have to learn to deal with the mountain. Now, some people will tell you, oh, just deal with your mountain. That's your lot in life. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. Mountains can be removed by using your faith and your mouth. Mountains can be removed by using your faith and your mouth. That's what Jesus said right here. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, believe and say. Is that not right? Believe and say. So you should never face a problem with your mouth shut. You should face your problems in life with your mouth open, speaking what the word of God says. Not what somebody else says. You know, some people want to speak, well, brother so-and-so said. No, it don't matter what brother so-and-so said. What does the Bible say? Say what the Bible says. That's where the power is. Now, brother so-and-so may be saying what the Bible said, but you say what the Bible says. That's what we say. Say. I want you to get a hold of it. Say. Say. Now, I grew up in the house of a man by the name of Kenneth Hagin. Anybody ever heard of him? There's was two of us at one time. Now there's only one of us, and that's me. He was Kenneth E. I'm Kenneth W. I went by Kenneth Jr. for all those years because nobody paid any attention to the middle initials. And when he went to glory, I, I said, well, I can start reusing my real name now. So I started, went back to Kenneth W., which is my real name. And, but I grew up in his house. And I learned this principle of saying. And I want to get it over to you. There's, prayer is fine. There's a time for prayer. But the principle of saying is important. If you'll notice, Jesus talked about saying before he talked about the praying. Come on, read it. Hello. Then, you know. See, then he went on and say, if you ask in prayer and believe that you receive, you will have it. That he talks about desires of your heart and so forth. Now, you know, growing up, we, dad left that church when I was in my third grade, middle of my third grade year. I wish I had a chair to sit on up here, but I guess I don't have one. I'm going to get me one. (laughs) My man's trying to get me one right there. Good. I'm going to sit down and teach. You know what? I'm very biblical because the Bible says that Jesus sat down and talked. (laughs) And so Dad left that church, Van, Texas, middle of my third grade year. We left and we moved out of the parsonage and we moved into an apartment that wasn't any bigger than this stage right here if it was that big. You walk in the door and there was a little bedroom over here. There's a couch here. There was a ta- eating table here. There was a cabinet here. A restroom here and a back door. That's it. That's it. Mom had a bedroom. My sister and my cousin's sister, Ruth, they had the couch that made a bed. And guess what yours truly had? I had what they call a rollaway bed. Now, some of you young people don't know what I'm talking about. But how many of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about a roller? The thing fold up and have four little legs on it with wheels. And you fold it up like this. And you roll it off in the corner somewhere or put it wherever. And at night, you put it wherever you can to sleep. Well, the only place I had left was right in. There was just enough room for that single rollaway. It wasn't, it's a single rollaway bed. And, you know, uh, there was just enough room between the cabinet here and the stove over here and the cabinet here and here. And the, if, if they had to get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, there was just enough room for them to turn sideways and walk sideways. 
And I had that how bad will travel <laughs> until I was in the eighth grade. And I'm going to tell you about saying. Now, if how many of you ever read, my, read or heard my dad's story about being healed, walking off the bed of affliction? Well, he, he got it from Mark eleven twenty three. He said, "If well, if 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 you're well, you wouldn't be in a bed." He said, "I'm well," and he got up. Now, we had no trouble with healing at all. I mean, man, Dad would pray, uh, would say. I mean, most of the time he'd just say, you know, say it. Now he pray sometimes. And, but, man, we, we ain't had no money. I mean, you, people, they they don't know the real story. I mean, they saw Dad, you know, in, in those later years. But you go back to those early years. I mean, if you've listened to him, he he, he mentioned about how that he, he had to, he sold his car for junk and was riding the bus or hitchhiking. And he was out on the road preaching, going to preach. I mean... He would close a meeting out on a Sunday night, drive, uh, I don't know how many, 100 miles, and start again on Wednesday night. He did that for years and years and years, all my, all my growing up years. And so then we finally, we moved from there to Garland, Texas. That was in Gladewater. And we got, you know, they, they, those old houses that was built in the, back in the 20s and 30s that, they had the porches go all the way around them, and you know, and they, they most of them was about six rooms. Well, they just gone right down the middle, and they put three rooms over here and three rooms over here, and and one of them, and they put a restroom when one didn't have one, and so they had they called it, and they called them little apartments, and that's what we had. And so now, in the winter time, I get to put my bed in the in what was the little kitchen because we had the kitchen, the bedroom, and a living room. And that's the three rooms with the bathroom back here. And so I got that. And then in the summertime and the spring, I put it out on the porch. <laughs> and that's where I slept. Me and my dog. That's where we were. <laughs> and, you know, finally my dad, he he came home and he said, all right, family. He said, I've been praying about this and said, the Lord told me and began to tell me that we, how, that, that he, that prosperity and having, having money comes the same way as healing. And so he, he read this scripture to us. And I think I was, by then I was about in the fifth grade, I think. And, uh, so he said, okay. Now, they now he, he if it was an emergency or something or had to call, you called after six o'clock. You didn't because it's cheaper to call after six o'clock. You didn't call long distance. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about about that? Yeah, you didn't call all this. But him and mom wrote every day, and so he'd be out somewhere and he'd write and he'd say, "Okay, at this time, at this time, I will be in the church. Pray, uh, I'll be in the church." And the fact, y'all get together there and y'all say, this week we would get so much money in the offerings. Back in those days, they didn't get right to your check anything. They just passed the offering bucket and then they would just take the offering plate and pour it in your briefcase. That's it. I mean, whatever, whatever it was, that's what you got. And so we, he would say, and now you say it. And you, you, every time you think about it, you say, this week we're going to get this amount of money. Now, it, it was, we got, it's a, I remember one time it was $150. Man, that, that was a lot of money. I thought anyway. And it was for back in the day. Because uh, you'd be lucky to get, sometimes you'd be preach a whole week and you'd be lucky if you got $75. Now, we need $150 to meet all of our expenses. And he says, you keep saying it. You say it. And so we would. We, every time before we, mom, me and mom, sis and Ruth, we're there. And, and we'd go, before we go to school, we'd at the dinner, at the, break, at the breakfast table. And we'd say, this is coming in this week. We, we'd say it. And so, you know, things started to work. And then we moved to another. And then finally... 
we we got a house. My my eighth grade year, we got a house, and I got my bed, my first bedroom. And then my aunt, her uh, my uncle was in World War II. We come back home. His wife had left him and married somebody else, and so he had remarried, and she had a son, and he went off the Air Force, and she she said, "Well, Ken." Listen, you got a bedroom now. Uh, listen, Charles went to the went off to the uh, to the Air Force, and and I've got a, a solid oak bunk bed set and dresser and everything, and and uh, he, you can have it if you want it. And so I got it, and I still have that. It's it, I still it's in storage, right? Well, in in my with all my junk where I got some junk, I still have that bed. <laughs> And it's still usable because it was solid oak. I mean, solid. <laughs> the the drawers are are solid. I mean, they're not particle board. They're that thick. They're solid drawers. I still have it. But you never, you never. And, and let me tell you how we got the house. We got it by saying, by saying. First of all, we 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 moved in and we got the rent house. And then Dad said to Mom, the lady that we rented the house from was mother's uh, hair. She went there to hair, get her hair done. And so uh, dad said, we're going to buy this house. And he, we said it. He said, okay, now all the family will say it. We walked around the property said, this house is ours. We suck, we call, we say so, we say so. He thought, asked ask her, and he said, she came back and said, no, they, Ruth and Olin don't want to sell the house. He said, they do, they just don't know it. <laughs> so... He, we kept saying it, and pretty soon uh, he, uh, he, came, she came home one time, and and she wrote him and said that Ruth said they want to sell the house. He said, "Okay, now we start saying that we're going to get the down payment." We started saying it. So now, I, 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 well, he drove in on Friday night after a service from down. He was down in Port Arthur, Texas, and I don't know what time he got in, but. And I I got up and and it, and then he was still because he probably got in four o'clock five in the morning so he is in there sleep. Now I'm eighth grade now, and so I went outside and I was messing around and finally uh, he I I, don't know, I was in the garage working on a lawnmower I think but anyway he said hey son and he showed me the keys and he said uh, get the briefcase get my briefcase out and he probably said, come in here and so he opened it up and he threw me an envelope. He said, look at this. And so I opened it up, and I pulled out, and I'd never seen one before in my life, a stack of $100 bills. He said, count them, and I counted out 10 of them. He said, that's the down payment for our house. And then it was. But saying, I, what I want you to get is that we didn't pray about any of this. We said it. Yeah. We said it in line with what the Word of God says. Okay? We were speaking to our mouth. It says, say to the mountain. Believe in your heart. Say to the mountain. And believe, you know. So there we were. We got the house. That was fantastic. Praise God. That was the greatest thing ever. My mother never one time in the entire time till I left home when I was 18, when I went off to boarding school and then the college and well when I, well, I was actually a junior in high school when I left I wasn't 18 I was what 16 I guess went to boarding school so that she, she could travel with mom dad could travel with mom cuz uh, she'd been home with us all those years and uh, I went to Canville Bible Academy over in Canville Oregon and 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 so uh my mom, not one time did she ever have to tell me pick up anything in that room. Not one time did she ever have to tell me make my bed. Not one time did she ever have to tell me clean, keep a, clean that room. Man, I kept it spotless all the time. That's my room. I, the first time in my life I had one, and I guarantee you, it wasn't you wasn't gonna mess it up. You didn't. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I'm still sorry that way. <laughs> You can you can walk in my closet and everything is perfect. All my long sleeve shirts are hanging here. All my short sleeve shirts are hanging here. All my dress slacks are hanging here. My suits are all hanging here. My black shoes are all here. My brown shoes here. My boots are here. My my tennis shoes and and running shoes they're all here. Everything in order. And she never has to. And all we've been married 50 years in December. 
and she's never had to ask me to pick up one article of clothing that I left on the floor. If I pull it off, I throw it in the dark, dirty clothes. And I'm, get, I'm getting all the ladies, they're giving me a hand. <laughs> Well, you ought to learn, Glenn. <laughs> learn from your teacher. <laughs> uh, but I, even even if I have my jeans or pants or shirts that are dirty, I, I hang them in a certain spot. I just don't throw them down. I hang them in a certain spot, and they, they know if they're hanging there, they're to be they'd be laundered. So you know, we got the house. Thank God for that. Now. Uh, we dad driving a a forty nine Oldsmobile that's got well over a hundred thousand miles on it. We got it from the pastor, and he is needing a new car. And we just we I didn't know it, but he had been saying he's been saying, and he told mother I didn't know it till later. So I went outside. One he he's preaching over Fort Worth and. So he come in after church, and, and I went outside, and, and I saw, man, there's a 53, 98-old mobile, brand-new one, sitting in the driveway. And so I went back in the house, and, and I said, Dad, where's the old car? He said, well, it's over in Fort Worth. And I said, oh, somebody let you borrow a car? He said, no, that's ours. And, and then he told me, he said, I've been confessing, I've been saying that I'm going to get a new car. That was in 1953. He went home to be with the Lord in 2003. And from 1953 till he went home to be with the Lord, if he ever wanted a new car, he had one from that day to this. Before then, we, we had junk cars. Like I told you, he sold one for junk. He hitchhiked to preach. But we, I, what I want to get back to you, I want you to get a hold of the fact, saying, the saying. I'm telling you, why I'm telling you this, I'm telling you the way we got to where we are by saying. We say it. My wife and I, she'll tell you, we say, we agree together, and we say things all of the time. We say it. We say it. We say it. You know, now... I go, I go, I go off boarding school, and then I come back and go to. And I mean, between my friend, then I go to a Bible college, and between my freshman and sophomore year, I'm traveling with them. In fact, we were up in Oregon in meeting, and and well, let me go back. First of all, we moved from Garland from that house, and we rented it out. And we moved down to to uh, Port Arthur, Texas, for a half a year, and then we moved back. And while we were there in Port Arthur. Well, now my, my 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 cousin had lived with us till she got married, and now she, her and her husband were living in Houston, and he was a good Baptist boy, and so they they were going to a Baptist church, and and uh, her boy her her baby was born, and Dad was home. He happened to be home, and uh, he averaged if you put all the times together, all the days together between uh, September. And May, now leave out December because but he would be home. You could, if you put all the get, days together, you might get two weeks. And then he would usually be off a week at Christmas. But he happened to be in. I mean, he he would drive like he would drive 22 hours straight from California to eat breakfast with us and be with mom. We'd go off to school. He'd be with mom. We'd come home. He'd be gone driving to the East Coast to preach, and he'd be gone eight, ten weeks at a time. But that's, you know, that's why he tells people, unless the Lord tells you to be a traveling minister, these guys heard him say it at school. Don't you be a traveling minister. But anyway, so now I hear the phone ring. I'm a ninth grader by now. And uh, I hear the phone ring. And I hear him say, (laughs) Hello. I hear him say, Olita, what is it? What is it, Olita? That was, that was his sister, my aunt. He said, settle down, settle down. What is it? And so uh, I heard him say, Olita, you go tell Ruth and Benny the boy will live and not die. And, 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 and then I heard him say, no, Olita, I didn't pray about it. I said it because I know what she asked him. When he got on the phone, he told us the baby was born. They wouldn't let him. They wouldn't even let the 
let them see him. His head was flat like a pancake. And they, it was just, it wasn't, you know, it was maybe two or three inches wide all. And, and so they got ready. And, and of course, uh, he said to mother, he said, uh, Ruth wants ain't R there. And that, of course, mother become like her second mother. And so uh, they got ready and left. And now they told me the story afterwards. When they got to Houston to the hospital, he said, Benny came down the steps at the hospital. Uh, uh, when they were walking up, I guess they were walking up. He come down the steps. And they were walking up the walk. And he come down the steps hollering, Uncle Ken, Uncle Ken, I'm a Baptocostal. I'm a Baptocostal. <laughs> and he said, Benny, what in the world? What happened? He said, it wasn't 10 minutes after Olita came back and told us, Uncle Ken said the baby will live and not die that the doctor came out and said, we don't know what happened, but said all of a sudden his head blew up like a balloon. He's fine. You can see. <laughs> now, I'm, do, I'm telling you all this. Say it. I'm saying it. Saying it. See, I grew up with this. Now, Dad used to teach this, but he didn't teach it the way I'm, I'm teaching it because he would just sort of talk about saying it and believing but I, I, this, I lived this. I, I'm telling you what, I lived it. I was there. I watched it happen. Now, that, I go back to my story there. When my, we were out in Oregon my, between my, sophomore, my freshman and sophomore year in college. And uh, we're, we're holding revivals. And they got a little old 26-foot trailer they're pulling around. They're living in. I'm sleeping on the couch, traveling mom, dad, and these, me, helping them in the meetings. And... Uh, Got a, Dad would teach the morning. He'd do 10 at night. He'd do both services, and, and Richie's been with him in those for many years. He traveled with him doing that. He did that, he did that all, of, all of his traveling ministry. He, he always did two services a day, sometimes three. But now, so there's a knock on the door, and we had the trailer parked by the, by the church and had it hooked up, electricity, and taken clean out, sewer clean out, and put the sewer line down. And, hooked up the hose to the water, you know, and so, and the, the church was right here, and the parsonage for was on, up about 300 yards up there in the church property, and and so the pastor knocked on the door, and he said, uh, got an emergency phone call for Brother Hagen, and I woke Dad up, and, because he had sleep in the, he'd study and then sleep in the afternoon, and so we went up there, I went with him, and I heard him say, I heard him saying, Mama, Mama, settle down. What is it? And I knew it was my grandmother. And and then he said, you go tell Sarah Jane she'll live and not die. And then I, I know what, I know what Patsma, we called her Patsma, because my, my uncle's name was Pat. And my oldest cousin, Ruth, uh, oldest, oldest cousin, Ruth, she couldn't say, I mean, Pat's, uh, she couldn't say grandmother. She's trying to tell her mother, my aunt, who uh, who she's talking about. And finally, she said, you know, uh, the youngest, dad's youngest brother was still at home, said, you know, Pat's mama. And ever, the whole family called her that. Everybody in McKinney, Texas that knew Lily Hagen, they called her Pat's mama. That's who she was. <laughs> That's just her. And I heard him say, no, mama, I didn't pray. I said it. And then he told me that his cousin, Sarah Jane, my, my, my grandmother's brother's uh, family, which would dad's cousins be, what, my second cousin, I guess, and was in the hospital, and the doctor said, no way she can live, she, she's going to die. Well, Sarah Jane lived and didn't die. Now, I'm telling you all that because I'm talking about say, 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 say it, say it. In line with the Word of God. Now, you can't go off somewhere and crazy, but say it. Because the Bible says, say to the mountain. See, those were mountains. Now, they 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 would call that. Everybody, the whole family calls. Sometimes they, the family now calls me sometimes. My, co- my cousins will call me, Terry uh, uh, or Jerry or one of them will call me. And George Irvin, of course, I did his funeral. He's going to be at the Lord now. There were 20, there were, there were 10 of us cousins. Because there was, there was, there was Aunt Olita, Uncle Dub, Dad, and Uncle Pat. And uh, they were, there were 10 of us cousins and we we're all about two years apart. 
And Aunt Alita had the most of them, and so me and my sister stayed with her because Dad traveled a lot and in the early days, and we stayed with them. And so we all become we all become really close. Lynette will tell you, she went to the first time she ever went to our Christmas deal. She couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> We're crazy. <laughs> Well, what's left of us are now. But anyway, I learned, I lived with learning this principle of saying it. Now, there's a principle of praying, and that's, that's on this side. But there's a side to say it because that's what Jesus said. And if you remember, he said to the fig tree. He didn't pray about it. He said. And then when, he, when Peter called it to his attention, he, he turned around to Peter and his disciples says, have faith in God. Or literal translation, have the God kind of faith. And then he went on to explain the God kind of faith. Says with your mouth and believes in your heart and gets what you say. Isn't that what the scripture said? Huh? He explained the God kind of faith that's saying it. Now, I, I go into a little, Dad, Dad would touch on it, and these guys have heard him, but I go into a little more depth in it than, than he ever did about saying it. Because we've gotten, a, 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 people have got to get a hold of the fact, you've got to believe it when you say it. Now, just to say it and don't believe it, nothing's going to happen. And you're going to say it, and it's going to look like nothing's going to happen. It was, it was what? Year and a half, we kept saying about that house before it ever before they before they realized they're supposed to sell it. We kept saying it. We kept saying it. We kept saying it. I go go back when we was at that house. I I go back and I don't know. I might have been a soft. I might have been a sophomore by then, and I knew that we had a car payment coming up. And I knew that we'd been calling it in and they, we'd been saying it. We'd been saying it. The, the money's here for the car payment. Well, I knew this Friday it was due. We didn't, it hadn't come. And so I said, well, I've seen it before come in the mail. The mail came. I went and got the mail. The mail came about 9.30. Wasn't in it. And I said, Dad, what are we going to do? And he said, don't become separated from what we say. Now I want to read something to you from the Johnson paraphrase. Truly, anyone who speaks to that mountain yonder, this is this is eleven twenty three, dump your says dump yourself in the scene, does not become separated from the statement he makes. That person will actualize his statement. Does not become separated. And there I start to question. Now I'm you know I'm fifteen years old I guess. And so now he said, we can't become separated. If we, if we start doubting, we'll lose everything we said. He, and I said, okay, okay, I, I got it, I got it. And so now I see a mail truck come down the street. I figure, oh, we get a special delivery. Well, it stopped the next door. Now, it is, it is, two, it is going on 2.30. I know the bank closes at 3 o'clock. Well, now I, 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 I went in. I said, Dad, that, the mail truck come in to stop next door. He said, that's all right. We'll have the money. We said it. We'll have the money. And me and him together said, said the money is, is here to pay the payment. And about five minutes to three, I saw, I saw a mail truck turn the corner. And I and I hollered at Dad. I said, "The mail truck's coming." He said, "That's it." He went and started got started getting ready. And it, sure enough, it was it. I brought it in there, and the man wrote the letter. He said, "The Lord been dealing with me to send you this money for for a week and a half, but I didn't figure you needed it. <laughs> but it got so bad that I just." Sending it to you, special delivery. Dad jumped in the car, run up there, and as he was walking to the bank, the guard was locking the door, and he saw him, and he knew who he was. And he, Dad asked him if Mike Mitchell was still there, and he said, "Yeah." And he said, and "He went in there, and he paid it. He paid paid it off, and we were fine." But you see, that ha- now a lot of times it, it would happen before, but that was right up to the last minute. But we could not become separated from what we said. You got to stay with what you say. And you keep saying it, and you keep saying it, and you keep saying it, and you keep saying it. I got another message I preach called, say it till you see it. 
But I, I like to talk this one. Speak to the mountain. Speak to your mountain. How many of you have ever had to deal with a mountain? Well, they got, I got some honest people in I'm not talking about a literal mountain. I am talking about a mountain of finance, a mountain of sickness, or whatever. Now, you got to remember, we, we started traveling out here to the West Coast. Dad picked me up. At Garland Junior High School, my sister, I was ninth grader. That used to, junior high used to be seven, eight, and nine, and in high school it was ten, eleven, and twelve. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Now they changed it all up. But anyway, he picked us up. She was an eighth grader. I'm a ninth grader, and picked us up, and we drove to California. And that would, I think that would have been May of '55, I guess. And we took correspondence course all that week and traveled all out, out through here. Now, you got to remember, you're talking about 55. They didn't have Interstate 40. They're building it. But we'd come up to the, the, we got to these mountains and they would stop us. And they, what they did, they'd go in, they'd drill holes, they set the, they set the charges and then they'd, they'd stop and they'd explode them and then they'd have to get away. And I was praying about this and the Lord said, that's why you keep saying it. It's like drilling a charge and exploding it into the mountain and you keep saying it. You drill another charge and put it in the mountain and you, until you blow the thing away. Anybody got that? Yeah. You got to keep saying it. You got to keep saying it. You gotta keep saying it. Turn to your neighbor and say, You gotta keep saying it. <laughs> say it. Now in the first in the in, in, in la, the last century, there was a man by the name of Mallory in the and uh, he put a team together to climb Mount Everest, twenty nine thousand thirty eight feet above sea level. That expedition failed. He put another expedition. It failed. He put the third expedition together with the best. This was in the first part of the 20th century. Best mountain climbers he could find. There was an avalanche killed him and most of the party. Now they're having a they're having a a banquet for the few survivors that was there and then and, and then in memory of all those that were lost. And so they introduced they introduced the surviving leader and he got up and he turned around to a picture of Mount Everest behind him and he pointed at that picture and he said Mount Everest you defeated us once. You defeated us twice. You defeated us three times. But someday, Mount Everest, you'll be defeated because we can get bigger and you can't. <laughs> he spoke directly to the mountain. That mountain's been climbed many times since then. Many times. That's what you're going to have to do to the mountains that appear in your life. You're going to have to point your finger at it and you're going to have to speak to the mountain. You're going to have to speak to that mountain. Now I told you about my life to get you to realize, hey, speak into the mountain. We, I'm where I am. I'm what I, I, because, and dad was what he was in the latter years, because we learned to speak to the mountain. Now you see, he learned to speak to it to, in, in healing as he got off bed of affliction. But it took him a while to learn to speak to it in, in finances. And once he did that, he realized, hey, that's what we do with any mountain that comes in our life. We have to speak to it. And you see, you're going, you're, you're going, you're going to have to speak to your mountain of sickness and disease. You're going to have to speak to the mountain of poverty. You're going to have to speak to the mountain of bondage. You're going to have to speak to the mountain of family trouble. You're going to have to speak to the mountain of impossibility. You're going to have to speak to the mountain of unemployment. You're going to have to speak to the mountain. Hallelujah. How many of you have got a mountain that you want to speak to? Now I want you to notice he said mountain. He didn't say the whole range. Mountain. 
You take them one at a time. If you take one mountain at a time, you'll get the whole range. The whole mountain range. Now, I want everybody to stand up. I want you to get in mind your mountain you're going to speak to. Get in, get in, get in your mind your mountain you're going to speak to. Get it in your mind. See, we're doing this in line with the Word of God. The, the, Jesus said that you can speak to the mountain just like he spoke to the fig tree. Is that not what he said? Huh? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting words to it. That's what he said, right? You can speak to the mountain. So I want you to find, I want you to get your mountain, right? And get it ready. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And when I get to a certain point and I'll say, I speak to the, you speak to the mountain. I speak to you mountain. Then you're going to have to put the mountain in there. I don't know what your mountain is. Now, somebody said, well, I don't, nobody know what my mountain is. Well, if everybody talks loud enough, nobody can hear what you're saying. And then besides that, I'm going to just keep talking really loud on this, on this PA system so that it'll round out them anyway so they can't hear what you're saying. But you got to hear yourself say it. You don't, you don't, you don't get it up here in meditation. You got to say it. The Bible says say it. Say it. Don't whisper it. Say it. Say it. You know, I know people have gotten a hold of this. I know Norval Hayes got a hold of it with my, from my dad. And I remember he telling the story. He pulled up in front of his restaurant. Nobody was eating there. And he had, for one week, he pulled up in front of the restaurant every day at noon. And he said, I call you full. I speak to you, restaurant. You'll be full. It happened just the way he said. All right, you ready? You ready to speak to your mouth? All right. Raise your hand toward the Lord. I don't care which one. Don't make no difference. Both of them if you want. Heavenly Father. We come to you tonight. In line with your word. In line with what Jesus said. That we could speak to the mountain. We thank you now. That we can believe in our heart. And we can say with our mouth. And our mountain has to go. Now in the name of Jesus. Mountain. I speak to you. Now put your mountain in there. Speak to it. Tell it what to do. Tell it to go. Tell it to dissolve. Father I thank you. That we are getting what we say. The Bible says to say it. We are saying it. We are saying it. We believe it in our heart. We are saying it with our mouth. It will be done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, put your both hands up and thank God that it's done. It don't matter whether you feel it. It don't matter whether you say it. It doesn't matter. The mountain has to go. Hallelujah. Now, go back to what that Johnson paraphrase said. Don't become separated. Now, there'll be somebody that'll try to tell you something that will separate. The enemy will come and tell you, you don't really think it's going to happen, do you? You got to say, I don't think it. I know it. You got to keep saying it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it till you see it. Now, one of our Rhema grads, Brother Clinton Utterbach, he wrote a song. We're going to sing it right now. So I say to the mountain, move. So I say to the mountain, get out of my way. So I say to the mountain,